0: Welcome to Community of Faith. Would you stand with us? If you're joining us online, we're so grateful you're here with us. We put our eyes on Jesus this morning, reminding ourselves of what he's done for us. He's worthy of our praise and our affection. He's worthy of our songs. Let's sing this together. Let praise. Come on. Let praise be a weapon that silences the enemy. Let praise be a weapon that conquers all anxiety that devise that praise her Again, welcome this morning. We are excited to start right there with praise, acknowledging who God is. There's nothing He can't accomplish, nothing He can't do. That's who we serve. He's a God who breaks down walls, who defeats giants. So we're leaning into that this morning in faith. Sing this with us. Come on. Just one word. You calm the storm that surrounds me. Just a word. Just one word. The darkness has to retreat. we believe that? Just one touch. I feel the presence of heaven. Just one touch. My eyes were open to see. My heart can't help but believe. Come on. There's nothing. That's all it takes. Just a word. Just one
1: word. And you are revive every dream. I can see it. Oh. Just one touch. I feel
0: For greater things there's no power like the power of jesus let faith arise let us all agree there's no power hey, would you sing now with us agree with us come on
1: i will believe for greater things there's no power like the power of jesus let faith arise let all agree
0: Welcome
2: to Community of Faith. Hope you guys are having a great week. This is week 563. I think of quarantine and self-distancing, but I hope it's been a good week for you guys. I hope you have felt God's presence in your life, that you've seen his hand at work in your life. We're excited to welcome you to Community of Faith this morning, to those of you that are in the room, also to those of you that are worshiping with us online today, we're especially glad to have you. If it's your first time at Community of Faith, I want to give you a big welcome. I would ask that um, you would click on our link to our digital response sheet. We would love to know that you're here for the first time. Just give us a little bit of information about you. You'll see also a place that you can put a prayer request there. Um, let us know how we can pray for you this week. Our staff would be honored to pray for those things with you. So click on that link. You can go to our website at cof.church. You'll see a little tab that says, um, tell us you're here, and let us know that you were here. Um, we would love for you to do that. Do want to invite you this Wednesday night as our next night of worship. Our whole team is super excited about that. I hope that you will make plans to be here. We're going to take it outside under the stars. You're going to want to have a blanket or lawn chairs, something for your family to sit on, but it's going to be an extra special night when we come together and do just what we've been singing about, lifting those praises up to the Lord, letting him know how grateful we are for everything he's done over the last several months, over the course of 2020. We hear a lot of negative talk about 20 but God's still been moving and working and we want to praise him this Wednesday night at seven o'clock and let him know so make plans to come and join us it's going to be an incredible night out under the stars the weather's supposed to be perfect so join us here on Wednesday night at seven if you want to come early we'll have some food trucks some things set up for you or you can bring food um, for your family and hang out with us outside One of the things that we do every week here at Community of Faith is have communion. God has asked us in his word to remember the sacrifice he made as he sent Jesus to the cross to bear the punishment for our sins so that we could experience his grace and forgiveness and have a relationship with him. I wanna invite you today, whether you're in the room or you're at home, to share in communion with us. If you're in the room, you'll see on your seat there a little cup and you'll find the elements of communion there. But you may remember the story on the last night that Jesus shared with his disciples. They were gathered together, sharing a meal together. And Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he shared it with his disciples. And he said, this is my body broken for you for the forgiveness of your sins. And then he took the cup and he said, this cup is the covenant of my blood the covenant that the father's making with you, that my blood will cover your sin. And he said, take it and drink it. I'm gonna pray for us and thank God for that sacrifice he made. And then we're gonna sing this next worship song. And I want you to take this time just to remember, to think and to thank God for the sacrifice he made. Lord, we are so grateful grateful that you provided a way that you saw into the future and you saw our deep and desperate need even today that you see it and that you are still at work providing a way. God, we thank you for the sacrifice you made as you sent Jesus to the cross, as you tore your heart out for us, God. We thank you for that. We praise you for that. And God, we accept your gift today. Help us always live in memory and honor of the sacrifice you made. In Jesus' name we pray.
0: singing. Y'all go ahead and be seated.
2: We've come to the time in our service where we want to receive our offering. One of the things that we have been so grateful for as a church is your faithfulness over the course of these months that God has continued to provide everything that we need as a church to continue to operate but also the things that our partners have depended on from you as you continue to give faithfully as you continue to volunteer in those instances that you've been able to over the course of these months and so we're so grateful for you. I want to give you the opportunity to partner with us to continue to do that. You'll see there on the screen the ways that you can give at Community of Faith. The simplest thing is to give using your phone, but you can also go to our website. You can mail in a check. If you're in the room, you'll see some boxes um, on the way out that are hands-free where you can put an offering envelope in there or a check. We would love for you to partner with us and be a part of everything that God is doing in and through Community of Faith. Will you pray with me for that offering and as we give? God, we are grateful for your faithfulness over the course of these months, how you have let us be a part of everything that you're doing, how you've continued to place it on our hearts and call us to generosity and to faithfulness. And God, I thank you for that. I thank you that our partners have been able to depend upon the support of community of faith. They've been able to depend upon us as partners and as volunteers in the instances when we've been able to do that over these months. And so God, we thank you. And we pray now that you would take these offerings, that you would use them, that you would multiply them and use them in ways that we can't even imagine, that you would use them to bring more and more people into relationship with you. God, that's our desire and that's why we give. So we put it in your hands and we trust you to do that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Looking forward to Mark sharing with us this morning. Let's get ready as he comes.
3: community of faith, how we doing? Yeah, those of you at home, I hope you're doing well too. We're glad that you're here. We welcome you. I even uh, wore a shoe today. So some of you are a little distracted by my toes when I preached last time. But uh, I'm excited to be with you. I'm doing really well. Surgery was, was good and uh, they connected my kneecap back to the rest of my body. So everything's going well and, and I'm recuperating. We're talking about why we gather. Why do we gather? And I wanted to talk to you a little bit about one of the main reasons that God designed church is because life is hard, but God is good. And, you know, you go through life and you get a physical from time to time. Maybe some of you are about due for one. It's been 60 years or something, you know. Um, I just wanted to give, I want to give you a spiritual, Dr. Mark's spiritual today. This is a spiritual. You don't have to do anything weird or anything, but I do want to ask you a, a couple of questions. And I want you to be really honest with me, because that's one of the things I love about community faith. Those of you at home, just, you can, you can raise your hand like you're here, okay? How many of you right here in this place, right there at home, sitting on your couch, how many of you are going through a really hard time? right now just lift your hand up okay of those of you that lifted your hand how many of you would say that mark to be honest with you this is probably the hardest time i've ever experienced in my life would you lift your hand up Well, still quite a few of us those of you at home let me stop and pray for you but i'm going to talk to you a little bit about that today because uh, God's got something for us today that he wants to show us about why we're together here this morning, why we gather in our home teams, our home groups. Father, I just pray for everyone that lifted their hands and said this is a difficult time, God, that you would just meet us here today. We need to experience you. Sometimes it feels like you're a million miles away and we don't know what you're doing because we can't understand. For those that lifted their hands and said, this is the hardest time in my life right now. God, I just ask that you will begin to unroll your miracle for us. We don't know what that looks like because we don't understand you and your ways are so much higher than us, but we know that you've got something good for your children. And I pray that you will speak to each and every one of our hearts today in Jesus' name. Amen. Marshall Shelley is a theologian and. I was reading some of his works recently, and he said, I was with my son his entire life. Two minutes. He had a little boy who uh, the doctors, when they went and did that little sonogram with his wife, Susan, uh, said, the doctor said, um, there's something going on, and they checked into it, and it was, it was a, a chromosomal thing, and they said he's not viable outside the womb. And she said, well, we're gonna... Pray for a miracle, and I'm going to carry him to term because we believe that God is the author of life and death. And so uh, they got there in the delivery room, and the little baby, suddenly, he's born, beautiful little boy, pink, healthy. They had prayed for that. The breath of life sucked into his lungs. Remember, we talked some some months ago about how all of us, as we breathe, that, that name of God, the Jewish people, thought of it as the breath because God said, my name is Yahweh, and it's the sound that, Yahweh, as we suck in and out, all of us say his name. So this little boy got to say God's name once, and then he turned blue, and then all too soon, the doctor said he was gone. And Marshall Shelley said, even though I'm a theologian, he said, I, I, I've got to tell you, I was, I, I was haunted By the question, why would God create a little boy to live for two minutes? He said, it felt like God was a million miles away, but we still, we held on. They said, born 8.20 p.m., died 8.22 p.m., and the nurse said, did he have a name? Susan, Marshall's wife, said, his name is Tobiah. It's a biblical name. It means God is good. But Marshall said it didn't feel like God was good at all in that moment. Nehemiah was one of the greatest leaders who ever lived. And he lived at a really hard time. He lived at a time when uh, all of the walls of Jerusalem had been torn down. They had been in captivity in Babylon for 70 years. And they had got... Been able to return, but the, it was just a mess. And he hadn't come back yet. He was working with, he, he was really high up in the kingdom already in Babylon, even though he was a Jewish guy. And he heard that the walls of Jerusalem were torn down and it was a mess and everyone was discouraged. And he pleaded with the king if he could go back. And the king said, Yeah, he said, You go back and get that wall built. That'll be fine, Nehemiah. And Nehemiah went, but it was way harder than what he thought it was going to be. It was way more intense than what he thought it was going to be. And when he got there, he realized the people were, were just about done. They started working on it, and they, they had been building the wall for 52 days with Nehemiah, besides whatever little bit they had done before. I, I think they must have had a goal that they thought, Nehemiah probably felt like we can get this wall built in 50 days. Let's go. And it's day 52, and they've had all kinds of things go on. And it's not, it's not even halfway done. It's about halfway up. And everybody's pretty much going, Nehemiah, you can just stick a fork in me. I'm done. I, there's so much, it, it's, it's too hard. And Nehemiah, as he begins to talk to them, he comes up with some, uh, some amazing principles that, that give us insight even for today. I mean, is something going on with us that you're kind of tired of right now? I don't know about you, but this pandemic thing, you know, in Texas, it's been 181 days that we've been in some kind of lockdown. Did you realize that? 181 days. Some of you are going like, oh, wow, I didn't know it was that long. Some of you are going, I thought it would have been 181 years, right? It just, it, it's, and we're tired. And we, we look at that, and Nehemiah chapter four, it, it talks about that. I want you just to follow along. If you have your sermon notes, you can look at them. Um, Nehemiah chapter four, Verse 10, it says, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out. So what happens when life gets hard? First thing is fatigue. A present fatigue. 52 days into building the wall, and they're going, I can't do it. Our human body is built in such a way that when things are are hard, and if if we don't do things in a in a certain way, then it's going to start to break down. And You know, in counseling, a lot of times, the best thing that you can tell somebody is if they're depressed and they're discouraged and it feels like God's a million miles away, it's like, try to see if you can just get a good night's sleep. Let's focus on that first. Because, like Vince Lombardi said, fatigue makes cowards of us all. And it's amazing how much better things can seem just after a good night's sleep. But fatigue sets in. When does it it usually set in? It says... In verse six, so we rebuilt the wall until it reached half its height. What happens is, it's like, is this ever gonna end? You see, when they started with this thing, I kind of told you guys, it's like, well, it looks like maybe it'd be good. We'll uh, just do church at home. We're not gonna cancel church, no way, but we'll do church at home for a couple of weeks, then we'll get back together. That seems like a long time ago, doesn't it? And it just keeps, what's going on? It's just going on and on and on. And we're just tired. Another thing that, hard times bring up in our minds, again, it's past failure, past failure. They go on to say, uh, they said the strength of the laborers is giving out and there is so much rubble. There's so much rubble. They're talking about all the the wall, you know, that had been torn down and they can hardly get to the wall to build it up because there's so much rubble And and they're talking about past failure. They're looking at the rubble and they're seeing all the past failure. They lost the war. The way they were carried away into Jerusalem. The way they had failed God so badly. And, you know, I i think that that's what happens. It just seems like stuff begins to build up. I was watching on television while I sit in my chair, like I've been sitting for a long time, uh, the Houston floodwaters again, you know, as that was coming back around. As beta came through and I was like going, oh my gosh, I... Sort started wondering if Houston's like the, secretly like the underwater city of Atlantis or something, come back to, you know, and, and somehow we just poked our heads out of the water a little bit for a while. Because it seems like, you know, some of you just got back in your house from Harvey, right? And it, it's, it's, it's frustrating. I know about once a year I, I try to go in and, and clean out my closet, you know, it's like closet cleaning day and I, Go in, and I take everything off the hangers, and I put it all down in a place, and I get all all my, I got so much stuff in there. I find stuff, new stuff, it's like Christmas a little bit, you know, every year, and then I have it all out, and it's by the bathtub in our house, and um, then the day is done, so I put it all back in there, wait till next year, <laughs> do you do that? <laughs> it's like. I don't know why, I'd, it's my closet cleaning day. You can ask Lars. He, goes, he does that like every year. I don't know, he's never gonna learn. But it does seem like that stuff just kind of, it just rubble builds up in your life, doesn't it? Some of us have a lot deeper rubble. We have a shame, a shame that we feel. A shame from the rubble of a traumatic past. And, you know, it it's still even though we've stuffed it down and we've tried to put it back, if you haven't done the work, if you haven't done the counseling, if you haven't done what the Bible talks about doing, then it's stuffed in there. It's still there. Some of you feel really splintered, uh, just like all over the place because of that. And, you know, the, the thing about community of faith that's so good is that It's a good place to be if that's you, because that's all of us. We all have that. I don't think you can get through in this world today, you know, without some kind of dysfunction. I don't, I don't know any teenager right now that's not struggling. And I maybe you say, well, mine's not right now. Well, then enjoy that two days, because you know, it it it's just a difficult time to to be alive. Our culture and, and our society and our world and we are. And finally, they they just, you know, they just come and say, we cannot rebuild the wall. We're just not going to be able to do it. Is that where you've gotten to? I can't do this anymore. Nehemiah, just stick a fork in us. We're done. We can't do it. They're not able to finish the wall. You know, when we come before the great physician, here's the thing. We don't need to put bandages over our mortal wounds. That would just be silly, wouldn't it? Well, let me kind of fix myself up and, and, and then great physician, I'm gonna to come to you and, and you know, but I'm already kind of, fi- i fixed myself up a little bit. And he's going, no, you're, you're dying right now. I see it. Just come to him. Just be with him. We can't rebuild the wall. We can't do it. Another thing that they felt in this hard time, they felt a, a future fear, a fear for the future. It goes on. In verse 12, it says, our enemy said, before they know it or see us, we're going to kill them and put an end to their work. See, they had these enemies around. They didn't want the wall of Jerusalem rebuilt. They wanted to be able to just come through whenever they wanted to. They wanted to be able to get in there and, and destroy. I was I was talking to a therapist uh, a few, about a month and a half or so ago, and, and he was telling me that, uh, you know people that have suffered childhood trauma, it's like he said the walls of Jerusalem were meant to protect. And and it's it, it's like if you've had that childhood trauma and, and if you haven't worked through that, then it's like those walls are down and predators and others can still come through. There's a re-victimization that can happen. And that's what these guys were wanting to do to Jerusalem. That's just like, just keep coming in there. They were able to get in there and do what they wanted to do. And they didn't want those walls Built up. Well, what do you do when life gets hard? What do you do when you're in the most difficult time of your life? Nehemiah, one of the greatest leaders who ever lived, he has a different strategy. And I, I'm amazed at it. And I think that it still applies to us today. So what do you do? And here's what I want you to get. Really think about these things, okay? The first thing that you do when you're in the hardest time of your life or when you're in a really, really difficult time, re-family. Re-family. Now, I made that word up, but it's a good word, okay? Re-family. You, you see, a lot of us, we we need family. God intended the family to be this place that's so encouraging and, and so accepting. But a lot of you, you grew up in homes that were performance-based, right? You know, if you do this, then you measure up and all these kind of things, and you've just been running on that treadmill of that for forever. And I'm so glad that community faith isn't like that. Aren't you glad that you don't come and they, everybody's like, well, let's see how spiritual you are and all these kind of things, right? Because we would all flunk. But here's the thing. Look what Nehemiah did. He said, therefore, I stationed the people behind the lowest point of the wall, and in all those exposed places, and I posted them by families with their swords, their spears, and their boats. He he said, I got them in little groups, and I put them by families, and the families were probably extended groups of people. They might not even all known each other, but they had all come back, and they were living in the same area. Maybe they had a common ancestry, you know, like great-great-great-grandpa or something, but... What that means for, like, the church is, like, together in smaller ways, in smaller groups, in our dysfunctional culture, in our families that so many times aren't as supportive as we, we wish that they could be, we need help. You know, I told you, I don't know a teenager that's not struggling. Parent of those teenagers, are you trying to do this just alone? You're a, a single mom or a single dad, Are you or even... If you've still got your marriage intact, are you just trying to do it, just the two of you? That's, it's not, it's not enough. We've got to have more support than that. And our our families, I mean, if this pandemic hasn't brought your dysfunction to the forefront, congratulations, you're one of like three families in the United States, maybe, right? And we need each other. Jesus, when he created church, he called us his brothers and sisters. He said, you're brothers and sisters. You're a family together. One of the things we've been saying a lot here at Community of Faith lately is the best version of you exists in community. Did you know 50 times in the New Testament, God uses the phrase one another. Love one another, help one another, care for one another. We need each other. Well, how do you you refamily at Community of Faith? I want you to watch this video. Laura Jost tells us some of her experience and and what made the difference for her. Listen to Laura.
4: Hi, I'm Laura Jost and my journey with Community of Faith began about two years ago following um, my divorce. I did not really belong to a church in that interim period um, because I felt like my previous church was not a place for me anymore, I felt like I needed something more. I um, heard about COF from a friend, a very close friend who attends, and she said, come on, it's a big church, but it feels really small, Um, and I was used to going to a big church. So I decided one day, I was a little bit nervous, but I took the step. And um, when I first showed up, and people were waving in the parking lot, and um, you know I when I went through the front door and there were greeters there with warm smiles on their faces saying I'm glad I'm so glad you're here today um, I knew that it was the right place for me and then it didn't stop there I kept walking and um, people were getting coffee and kind of just gathering in that entry space um, and then you walk in and you feel the music like moving you I knew that um it was going to be my home church from then on. So I've been attending um, Community of Faith. I, brought, I started to bring my kids with me, and um, we love it now. I, at first, I was a little hesitant to um, really become involved. I started to venture out to some of the women's events that were available, and um, that eventually led me to home teams. One day um, I decided to pick up my computer and see what was going on at Community of Faith. So I just went to the website and um, kind of scrolled around and found that they were getting ready to start something called home teams. And it just spoke to me right away. I was like, this is your this is your time, Laura, when you're um, off of work, you've got the time on your hands to try something that's a little bit uncomfortable. Um, because it could be worth the risk. And I felt that that calling in my heart. Um, so I went ahead and I didn't realize there would be so many different choices to choose from, um, but I kind of read through, there were summaries of different groups and although they all sounded fun, I found one that was specifically for ladies only um, and it seemed to fit all of my needs. And so I just reached out to the leader and um, almost, immediately. I heard back that I was a member of the group, which felt really good. Um, so simple. And then that really started, um, almost like a healing process for me during this whole time when I feel like the world is so out of control. I feel like I have instant friendship with people I never thought that I would meet. One of the biggest blessings in my life during this time has been um, the impact that others have had on me by sharing their story during home team. And so if you're on the fence, if you're feeling a little bit nervous about stepping out of your comfort zone, um, it might be helpful to think that maybe someone really needs to hear from you. Maybe someone really needs to connect and know that there are other people out there um, who share a similar life experience or journey. And so um, even though it might be a little bit uncomfortable and maybe you might have a little bit of fear in your heart, um, I would encourage you to step beyond that and really put your trust in God and know that he's going to put you exactly where um, you should be.
3: You know, one of the things that I see that the Bible says that churches are to do that we, no church that I know of is doing, we're starting to do it a little bit better, but the modern church in America just isn't doing it. And James tells us in James five sixteen, he says, admit your faults to each other and pray for each other. Why? So that you may be healed. He wants healing for us. God wants healing for us, but it doesn't come until we're able to share with others our faults, our struggles. You see, he didn't intend for us to do this alone, and it, it it's scary. Some of you are going, well, I, if I tell them, you know, what I'm struggling with, I guarantee you. There's 20 other people. I don't care what you're struggling with. There's 20 other people in this room, at least, if not 100, that are struggling with that. If you're there at home, I'm just telling you, as a family, you're struggling. There's so many of us struggling right now, and we can't just do this alone. It's not gonna end up well, because what's the other option? You don't share your faults. You don't pray for one another. You don't do this, and there's no healing. So divorce comes. So the kids stray further and further parent of a, of a teenager, I, I, I encourage you, get with others and pray for this. You know, one of the, he, you know, one of the groups, the home groups, we have all different kinds. Some study the Bible, and some of you love to do those book studies and stuff. One is just playing Frisbee golf, but you're going to get out there and play Frisbee golf, and then you'll all sit down together and talk to each other a little bit and pray, and you'll go like, man, that was the best afternoon I've had in a long time. Guys, gals, I'm really struggling right now would you pray for me and you pray for each other and God begins to move and God begins to work one of the ways that we've done that really well so far is in our counseling ministry and that's why I knew that we're all so dysfunctional that we've got to have an amazing counseling ministry but you get in there and you you share with our counselors one on one and they begin to just talk to you and you're able to just open up and share with them and walk with them I'm amazed by one of our counselors, Jen. She's so amazing at walking through like childhood trauma and, and, and things that, that so many have, have gone through in this world and, and bringing some resolution to that to be able to move on, to be able to do what you need to do. You see, one of the things we say again at Community Faith it's okay not to be okay. Thank God for that, right? But why would we want to stay there? Let's don't stay there. But it's gonna take courage. The second thing after refamily, reframe. Reframe. Reframe the story. You see, we all have a story in our life, something going on. We're always telling ourselves a story. And what we learned a few weeks ago is that our emotions, they're not something that we can depend on because. They will lie to us depending upon the story that we're telling ourselves. And and if it's inaccurate, then our emotions are gonna be off. And it's important that we realize that, that we understand that. I was reading a book many years ago. It, It really helped me a lot because it asked this question. When do you try to analyze your marriage and your life? Is it when everything is going great that you sit down and analyze it? never is, is it? It's always when things are bad or you're feeling down. Why do we analyze our life when we're feeling down? Why do we analyze our mate when we're feeling down? Do you think it's gonna be a positive experience? You know, what if after the greatest week of your life, you sat down and you spent time analyzing? But see, that's what our emotions will lie to us and we'll say, oh, we need to figure this out and I got something's wrong here. And, and that's, tr- that's true. But if you're having the greatest week of your life and you're on a high and you sit down and you find the things that are wrong, they probably are really, really wrong. But when you're at a low, everything's wrong, right? Nothing's right. Let me ask you a question. They said there's so much rubble. Wasn't there always rubble? Yeah. See, the rubble had always been there, but they didn't talk about it. What's the difference? They stopped looking at God. They were so excited when Nehemiah got back God has answered our prayer. God's going to move and God's going to work. And, and they're focused on God and they get to work and they're doing some stuff. And then they start having some really hard times and God doesn't come through for them like they thought that he was going to, which again, we so misunderstand God sometimes and who he is and, and what he's about. And, and, and after a while, they stopped looking at God and they started looking down again at all the rubble. Now the rubble... It had always been there, but they had had a different story. They were looking at God. I want you to reframe and refocus. What are you looking? Are you looking at circumstances right now? You see, if you look at your circumstances without having God in the picture, in this moment, in this pandemic, in this economic turmoil, it's not going to be a fun, fun picture to see. You have to put Almighty God. Back in that. Look what Nehemiah said. I said to them, Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. What was he saying? Guys, let's be God gazers, not rubble gazers. Let, let's start looking back at God. You know, one of the reasons why we sing all these songs? Some of you go, I don't know why. I just try thought it was just warm up for the message. You know, I, I can always tell that because, you know, at Community of Faith, a lot of times there's people that come in. You know, right when I'm about to speak and they missed all the best part of the whole service. But we sing those songs because it helps us move our focus up. God, thank you. I see who you are. You are this great God. You are this one. And and, and it begins to, to change some things. Some of you just need to look God in the face and say, God, I don't understand what you're doing. It's okay with God. Did you know that? You think that, does it? Does it bother you if your two-year-old or three-year-old or four-year-old was like, you know, I don't know what you're doing? It's like, no, it's fine, I love you, I got you. Jeremiah, who wrote the little book of Lamentations, if you wanna get really sad, read the book of Lamentations, it's five chapters, okay? It, it, it's a horrible time. This is a time when the the they're laying siege to Jerusalem and people are starving to death and little children are dying and it's like this, you know, it's like a Syria war or or something like that, and and he writes Lamentations in the middle of it, and he says, "My eyes are are like a, a well of tears, and I see all the young people, and all the kids, and all the dying, and all this stuff." But then, right in the middle of Lamentations, he says this: He says, "God, basically, this loss of life, this starvation, this destruction, I don't understand what you're doing." And then he says, "But this, I recall to mind. Therefore." I have hope. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Again, like Nehemiah, Jeremiah understood some things about God. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew? Jesus said it this way. He said, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow has enough trouble of its own. I think he was referring back to this in Jeremiah where every morning God's faithfulness his mercies are new. Every morning and it's the mercies for that day. Today you have Sunday mercies. When you woke up this morning, I always think it's funny to me that that so many in this world they they wake up and the first thing they do is like I'm independent, I'm going to go do what I want to do today. I'm in charge of my life. But all night, you've been totally out of it. If God didn't let you take your next breath, you wouldn't even have woken up. And totally out of control, right? You're asleep. God's in complete control. And then you wake up and go, I got it now, God. Why don't we just say, God, I need your mercy today. Bring that mercy this morning. And it's mercy for today. It's not mercy for tomorrow. It's not, you're not getting Monday mercies today. Some of you are worried about something that's gonna happen tomorrow. Why are you worried about that? because you don't have mercy for that yet. His loving kindness and his mercies, they come day by day by day. You see, some of us, we get so upset with God because we go, God, I barely made it through the day today. This was the hardest. I, oh, I barely made it through the day, and now I'm exhausted, and I'm gonna fall asleep. And God's going, exactly, you made it through the day. And when you wake up tomorrow, my mercy will meet you for tomorrow and you'll make it through tomorrow and then when you wake up on Tuesday my mercy for Tuesday will be there and you'll make it through Tuesday and it just keeps going and going and going great is your faithfulness your mercies they're new every morning eskimos used to believe When you go to sleep every night, you die. And every morning when you wake up, it's like a new resurrection. I don't know about you, but I've been having to start depending on that sometimes during this pandemic. It's just like, I don't even know what day it is, hardly, you know, anymore sometimes. And it's it's like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know, is this ever gonna end? God, what is this? What's happening? And I have to remember, you'll meet me in the morning. He's going to watch over me all night long, and he'll say, Mark, I'm here. Get up. Like he said to that little girl that was dead, he said, Talitha Kum, little girl, arise. And she opened her eyes and rose up. He's going to say, Mark, get up. I'm here. I've been waiting. I'm here. I'll meet you here. I've been waiting in this day for you with new mercies. Did you know God does that? (laughs) I was talking to my brother, Kerry, a few weeks ago, and I was going, what in the world is going on with the church and everything else right now? I mean, the church as a whole, you know, universal. And, and I said, how are you making it through? And he, there's a song we used to make fun of when we were kids, this, this gospel song. And so he, he didn't say anything, he just started singing. It. He goes, one day at a time, sweet Jesus, that's all I'm asking from you. And and we both died laughing because we knew how we used to, and I joined in with him singing, you know. But that's really the truth, isn't it? It's just day by day by day. And then the big thing that you do when you have the hardest time of your life is number three, you fight and keep on fighting. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome, said Nehemiah, and fight for your friends, your families, your homes. you're back on your heels. Don't give in to discouragement without a fight. Don't just roll over and, and, and play dead. Fight. Drop to your knees like a warrior. Prayer is the fight. Don't be surprised if, if your family feels like a war zone. But instead of fighting each other, fight for each other. Reggie Joyner tells the the story about what happened one day when his daughter was in the seventh grade. And he said, after a major blow up in which both the daughter and dad had said some really hurtful things to each other that they shouldn't have said, he said, I was so hurt that I left the room and I drove off in my car feeling betrayed, offended. He said, I drove and drove about 15 minutes into driving, I didn't know where I was, the cell phone rang, and it's his daughter, seventh-grade daughter. Dad, I'm sorry, she said. You know, I really didn't mean what I said, but, but Dad, why did you leave? Why did you leave? Why did you walk out? I need to know that our relationship is worth fighting for, is what she was saying. As Joyner reflected on that, he adds this. He said, I can't really prove this because I don't have any statistical information to back it up, but I think my daughter Rebecca verbalized what a lot of teenagers think at some point. I've talked to college girls whose fathers have stopped fighting for their relationships with their daughters. I've talked to sons who have strained relationships with parents because they became disengaged relationally after conflicts in high school. As parents... We make a drastic mistake if we stop fighting, yielding to the myth that maybe our kids just don't really need a relationship with us. He says, listen to Nehemiah and fight for your sons and your daughters and your wives and your homes. Do all of your children know that you will never stop pursuing them? With everything that you have, you will be fighting for them with everything you have that that doesn't mean that you don't have tough love. I'm not saying that sometimes there's a time to say, "Well, you really can't live under this roof right now. there's some boundaries, but that doesn't mean you're going to stop loving and fighting fighting for each other, fighting for your life. you know, like I said, some of us are splintered and in, in, into into pieces by childhood trauma. God sees you right now. You found a home here. But find our counseling team. Get in a home team. Did you know, if you're not in a home team, parents, you're not doing everything you can to fight for your kids. Because I'm telling you, there's a power in the church praying. James goes on to say that the effective prayer of believers accomplishes much. Things that we couldn't accomplish otherwise. We just don't know the ways of God. We don't understand the intricacies of his plan. Who can fathom the the, the infinity of his mind like Martha of old when Jesus didn't come when her brother Lazarus was sick. She said, Jesus, if you had just been here, if you had just done what I thought you should do, my brother would not have died and like martha we find hope in the resurrection in that last day but when that day seems so far away in the middle of a pandemic and economic turmoil and relational upheaval when what should have been a celebration of birth becomes a memorial of death Jesus meets us and reminds us. The resurrection is not an event. It's not an event that happened 2,000 years ago. The resurrection is a person. You remember what Jesus said? I am the resurrection and the life. I am that Martha. I know he'll be raised up. On that resurrection day, I am the resurrection. He said, I will meet you here now in this moment. Marshall Shelley, after his son, Tobiah, had been buried, his seven-year-old daughter, Stacy, ran in early in the morning and said, God spoke to me in the middle of the night. God spoke to me. And she wasn't a girl that, did stuff like that. She was very shy and, and, and you know, very reticent to talk about anything like that. But she said, He spoke to me so clearly, and I was crying over Tobiah, and God spoke to me and he said, Stacy, Stacy, Tobiah is very busy. He's building your family's house. He's guarding my throne. And Marshall Shelley said, I'm a theologian. But when she came and told me that, there was something that just spoke to me. He said, especially about the guarding of the throne. I know about he's preparing a place and all of that, but he said, just something, wouldn't it be something if the God of the universe had little guardians and they're not babies anymore. Tobiah is a full grown person in heaven. But those were the ones that were his personal Bodyguards, the ones that will be first will be last and the last first. Nobody could be more last than Tobiah. He didn't get to breathe but once. But he's guarding the throne. He said, I don't know for sure what's gonna happen. I don't know what it looks like, but I do know that God said in that eternity that we're gonna reign forever with him. And he he said, as I began to look at that, and I began to think about that, It suddenly hit me. My question was answered. Marshall, you don't have any of the picture at all, do you? You have this tiny little part of the picture. Why did God create a child to live for two minutes? He didn't. He didn't. He didn't create Tobiah to live for two minutes. He didn't create you to live for 30 years or 40 years or 90 years. God created Tobiah for eternity. He created each of us for eternity. And what we're going to find out is that somehow in this most difficult time of our life, that God's doing something. God's working something. God's preparing us to rule and reign with him in this life. This is like boot camp, and he's getting us ready for the billions and billions and billions of years to follow. And we may just be surprised that that true calling that always seems just out of our reach here on this prodigal planet that we live on, it just falls into place the moment we see his face. And he says, come, enter the joy of your master. This is what you were created for. This is what that time was about. This is what, I was pouring into your life. This is why I was integrating you and putting you back together. It was for this. And even though you're wondering where is God, and even though some of you here on this planet, you didn't have a very good earthly father that was really there for you, and it's hard for you to feel that with God himself. He's a good, good father. You're gonna find that out. Life is hard, but God is good. But I need you, I want you, I, I, I plead with you, get in a home group, get counseling, step, don't just stay where you are. And right now, as we sing this last song, I've asked the band to come lead us in Good, Good Father. It says this, I've heard a thousand stories of what people think you're like, but I've heard your tender whisper of love in the dead of night. And you tell me that you're pleased that I'm never alone because you're perfect in all of your ways. You're perfect in all of your ways. You're perfect in all of your ways to me. You're a good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are just close your eyes for a minute the band's going to begin and then i want you to just join when you're ready in with them but it might be an act of faith because maybe it feels like he's not a good father right now maybe it feels like he's a million miles away you're there at home and don't tune out yet this is your time just close your eyes and by faith step into what he's got for you but mark i don't understand i don't get i don't it's okay it's okay Take that little, small, next step of faith as we sing this song into the hands of your good, good father. Let him hug you up close. Feelings, they're irrelevant. Walk by faith, not by sight, by emotion. I love you, community of faith. Let's sing this together. If you want to stand here in the room, you can. If you want to do that at home, you can do that. But we're going to praise our good, good father as we close.